What's up, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I wanted to just throw this in in the beginning. Please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That really helps our numbers. Check out the merch store at brennantcomedy.com slash merch store to get your ex-drinking buddy merch. And if you really want to, subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash brennantassif. That really helps me out. Thank you so much. Enjoy the episode. Grab me a beer and grab him a coat. We about to sit for an hour bullshit and tell jokes. And please don't mix it up, cause he done sobered up. Brandon T. Comedy on your social media feeds. And Brandon Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. Brandon Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. Brandon Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Brennan Tassif is your ex-drinking buddy. I am your host, Brennan Tassif. If you're new to the program, quick rundown of the show. I used to be everyone's favorite drinking buddy. It was my favorite thing to do. Hang out with friends, get drunk, do drugs, get in all sorts of trouble, and then later on reminisce about those crazy stories. I am sober now, but that is still one of my favorite things to do. Hang out with a guest and reminisce about the crazy old days. Most weeks I will be joined by a guest. This week is no exception. All the way from New York City, Mr. Joe List. Yeah. Woo! Ah. <laughs> New York City, a, a nightmare of a place to live. <laughs> we were just talking I about hate this. it. I hate. I was just. I was. I was telling him. I was talking on the uh, on the phone with my buddy, and he's like, "What the fuck is going on?" And I was like, "What do you mean?" Do you he's mean? like, "This noise this is insane." He's like, "It sounds like." I was like, "Oh, oh, it's like a truck." And he's like, "That's a truck." And I'm like, "Wait." That was a truck. This is a crazy homeless people. That's a scooter. And then when you start getting conscious of it, you're like, this is a horrible, this is a horrible place. My new place, I'm on the 25th floor and I'll sleep with the windows open and I still hear it like screaming. Yeah. And I'm like, how is this coming all the way up here? No, it's terrible. We should all kill ourselves, I think, um, or, or drink. Maybe we should get fucked up, yeah, you know? Let's, let's yeah. get after it. You know? I wanted to uh, plug everything up front, because you have the movie that came out 4th of July. Uh, yes. Your specials are on YouTube. Tell everybody where they can find everything. I got a couple specials on YouTube. One's called I Hate Myself. One's called This Year's Material, both on YouTube. I got another one coming, so go to my YouTube and subscribe. And I have a half-hour special on Netflix, and then I have a podcast called Tuesdays with Stories, and I have another podcast called Mindful Metal Jacket which has been on hiatus for a long time, but it's coming back. Okay, beautiful. Well, I'm very excited to have you on. Uh, my favorite guests, no slight to all my other guests, but my favorite guests are people who did have a history of drinking and then no longer yeah. drink. Yeah, uh, that's me. Josh Adam Myers, Emma Woman, people like that always have the craziest uh, kind of stories. But I wanted to, um, I know you're obviously a mainstay in, in New York comedy. Everybody knows who you are. Um, but I wanted to kind of talk about how you even got here, like to New York. Are you originally from the Northeast? I'm from Massachusetts originally. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then what what got you into comedy? Were you always a fan of stand-up or Seinfeld or like shows or what? Yeah, I wanted to do stand-up. I loved stand-up when I was a kid. Like my, I have an uncle who's four years older than me, who is okay. my, or maybe he's five years, five years older than me, who is my main drinking buddy, which... It's always funny because I'll tell I, for years I tell stories about like me and my uncle and then people are like your uncle and I'm like oh yeah we're the same age because yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. be like yeah me and my uncle went and fucked these fat chicks <laughs> and you know I was driving drunk and we hit us th- and the people are like your your aunt what the hell is this and I'm like oh no no he's like yeah, we're, we're, the same. we're yeah four years apart or whatever. So anyways, but he was really into comedy, and he was older than me, and we had, he had HBO and showed me, like, George Carlin, mm-hmm. and then it was, this is late 80s, early 90s, and so, like, VH1 Spotlight and all that stuff was on. So I just really loved comedy, and then when I graduated high school, I just started doing it. That's all. I didn't go to college or anything. Oh, okay, like, so you just, just started You started in Massachusetts? In Boston when I was, like, 18, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. so you just got right into it. Yeah, I, I, I just... 
I was talking about this yesterday, like guidance counselor, you got to go to college. And I was like, nah, I'm going to be a comic. And they, I always thought this was crazy. They were like, that's, you're wrong. You need to go to college and make a plan. But I was like, well, I have a plan. I'm going to be a comedian. Mm -hmm. And it would be weird to go to college just to try to do this. Yeah. And then other people were going to college and they didn't have, they didn't know what they wanted to do. Yeah. Undecided. And they were like, that's good. And I'm like, <laughs> ultimately, I ended up succeeding at what I wanted to do, and they're all in debt doing something other than what they studied. So my, yeah, this, the whole both. point of this is I'm better than uh, everybody. Oh, yeah. I did both. I went to college to play football, and then, um, but I was only on a partial scholarship, so I was taking out loans and doing the whole thing. And my drinking got really bad when I left football, and it was so funny because they were like, oh, you only need like $1,000 for this semester. But we'll loan you five thousand, and I was like, "Bet, rack it up, like let's yeah. do it." And then I graduated, and now I'm pursuing stand up, and I've been doing that since two thousand and nine. So it's crazy that like I incurred all this debt, Ugh. and still didn't do anything with the degree. I was just like, "No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be an artist. I'm gonna do comedy." Yeah, yeah. So are you still in debt currently? Oh, horrifically. Ah, oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah. I just did the one man show, and because you know now. I talked to Matt Fulstrom, my co-host on the other podcast, about this a lot because, you know, he started comedy in the late 90s, early 2000s. And he's like, oh, back then you would get the five minutes to get agents to get you the holding deal or the development deal or something like that. Right. And now it's all flipped where we have to do everything on our own and hope to God somebody likes it enough to buy it. Yeah, it's really. Yeah, it's crazy how much. It's a whole other bag of hammers. Yeah, but the but... amount of comedy has changed in my time is just like so wacky. Yeah, so I put on the one-man show because I was like, this is something I want to say, and it's not all comedy, so I'll bill it as a one-man show. But I did all that myself, and yeah. I didn't have the funds to do it, but I was like, no, if we're going to, like, I moved to New York, like, this is the next step. Do the thing. Right. And then I did it, and I was like... Oh, they say chase your dreams, but this was a terrible idea. <laughs> well, it's so funny because in, in comedy, it's like there's bringer shows. Like if you're well, for people unfamiliar, when you're a new comic, it's like you can get on stage if you bring people. You mm-hmm. got to bring four people and you can do five minutes. And now the whole business is a bringer. That's show. all like, it is. If yeah, you yeah. can bring 75,000 people, <laughs> we'll put you on Netflix or whatever. You're like, what? Yeah, that was the whole thing when I got here because I started comedy in 09. And I remember instagram and all that first coming out and i was like oh this is a fad yeah like social media is not going to take off and then it did but i was so against it that when i moved here i was like oh yeah like i've got an hour i've got the podcast like i'm ready here i am new york and they go how many followers do you have yeah Yeah, you're going the open mics are that way yeah yeah and i was like no no no. i already did all that i did bar shows open mics all that stuff and they go yeah you're gonna do it again yeah nobody cares and uh that was a big lesson i had in comedy too even years ago it's like oh i have to just start over yeah because i was a drunk idiot but well let's yeah that's what i want to get into so when you started doing comedy in massachusetts at 18 were you drinking then like, when did you start drinking? I'm trying to think. I started drinking late. To me, it was late. Yeah. Because I started, I didn't drink in high school. I didn't, I never, I drank literally zero in high school because my family was heavy drinkers. And I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. Same and thing. I was an athlete. Yeah. So I was like, I don't need to deal with any of that. And then it was, I had my first real drink right around the time I started doing comedy. Okay. But I didn't drink before show. I was like, I tried to do that, mm-hmm. which is always yeah. hilarious. I was like, I don't drink before a show. I would, <laughs> I would never. And then, of course, that eventually, <laughs> eventually you're like, well, maybe I'll have a couple drinks. And then you're Loosen like, let's little, see yeah. how drunk I can get for this show. <laughs> but for when I first started, yeah, I didn't drink. It wasn't part of my thing. That's what was so yeah. weird about it because I was – successful by successful i mean like uh i was like popular and had friends and did well in high school not 
uh, academically at all, but, but athletically yeah, and socially, yeah. I did really well. So when you would go to parties and everyone's getting fucked up, you would just kind of be like, "No, I don't do that." Did people? Because I same thing. I didn't drink until very late in my senior year of high school because. A mirror thing is like I saw what it did to people around me, and I was like, "Oh, this is horrible! Yes. Like I don't. This is a poison. Like this is toxic." So I just stayed away from it. And every time I went to parties, because you know I played college football and I wasn't very popular, but I'd still get invited to parties. People would be like, "Oh, Tassif doesn't drink. Like, don't even offer it to him. Like he's he, you know, he's a bitch. He doesn't do that. Blah right. blah blah." And then, um, so I just was known that I didn't drink. And then I remember when I started drinking and it was like, oh, it's on now. Like now we're doing it. Yeah, I have the exact same story. It was just like, yeah, I, he doesn't drink whatever. And I, it was all fear. I was afraid to start drinking. I always talk about this. I'm like, I was afraid to start drinking and then I was afraid to stop yeah, drinking. Absolutely. I was just felt like I, it felt out of control and weird. And I just think thought like, ah, my family does that. And then uh, when I had my first drink, I was like, oh, wait. I was way off. I was wrong. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> That's exactly how it felt. I was like, oh, man, I am so stupid. Sorry about that. I say this in the one-man show, but the first time, because I have real bad anxiety and depression, and the first time I, like, did a shot, it was 99 bananas. And I did the shot, and it burned so bad, and I was like, this is gross. And then within, like, 30 seconds, I was like, Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this makes a lot of sense. Like, I feel great right now. No, it did make sense. And also with, like, anxiety or social anxiety, you feel connected to a person you're drinking with. Yep. It feels like, yeah, we're doing this thing, and then you feel a little we're looser. We're doing it together. Yeah, and then you start to be like, you know what I fucking hate is black. No, whatever. <laughs> um, that's a joke. But, like, you know, the you, you start, you start right? yeah, yeah, what is with the Jews? But you, you start opening up a little bit, and, and you start, be like, connect, and, and everything feels like a connect. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. And also when you're drinking or I was drinking, like everything, anything, people could say anything. And I'd be like, yeah, dude, totally. let's do it. And then you just start to be like, I'm up for anything. Yeah. And um, yeah. And it, it started off. I was like, this is great. Yeah. And then you come back and you have to tell everyone, guys, I'm drinking now. It's and be like, oh, great. And then it's so funny because they're like, oh, awesome. We've been drinking. Now you're drinking. And then within like a couple hours, they're like, oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> What are you doing? Uh, you know? Yeah, and it's 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 very interesting because, like, my ex-girlfriend, uh, friend of the show, she's been on a bunch. She had never seen me drunk. And then people at my work now, um, and I was telling you, I work at a swanky steakhouse downtown. And, you know, sometimes you have rough nights in the restaurant industry or in comedy. And I'm just like, and especially with how new I am to the city, I'm like, I made a horrible mistake. Like, why did I move here? Like, this was a terrible idea. And there's a part of me that's like, well, I know the one thing, you know, it's the first thought. And then that goes away. I call my sponsor. I get on my knees. I do everything that, you know, I'm told to do because I'm just so terrified of any of that. Yeah. But it's interesting because people at work, like if I have a really shitty night and I'll be like, fuck this, I think I'm going to go out with you guys. They get so excited. Right. And right. I'm like, oh, you guys have no idea, like, what it turns into. I talk about this all the time because people, I've been sober a long time now, and you and you make friends in that time, and people are like, man, I wish I could have drank with yeah. you. And you're like, I don't know. It wasn't great. I would I've take your shit and break eight it. Times. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I would rip the roof racks off your car or whatever, you know? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember once my roommate, who I lived in the halfway house with, when we moved out and got our own apartment, we, and we started, we relapsed together and started drinking. I remember one time he didn't want to go into work the next day, and he's like, just punch me as hard as you can in the fucking face. And I, I think I broke his orbital bone. Oh, my God. But it's just one of those things where it's like, that's what happens. Like, it's not like, oh, let's go to the bar and have some drinks and, like, talk shit about managers or something. It's like, 
No, like we get hammered and like pu punch each other in the face. Yeah, I always love the term uh, "my best thinking." This is like this is my this is where my best thinking got me. Is like that. Those are my best ideas. Was like let's run around and jump on windshields of cars. Wouldn't that be fun? What if we went and ripped did? out? I never did. My buddy did that. But, like, I would steal mailboxes and street signs and yeah. all that stuff and try to break shit and did throw Did you ever get, in. like, um, in legal trouble with your no, drinking? I was, like, extremely lucky because I, I drove drunk plenty of times. I one time, we called the cops because I thought my car had been stolen and, like, fully, like, reported it. This is down in an old club called the Cape Cod Comedy Lounge in Hyannis. And me and my buddy were just, you know animals and we forgot that we drove i drove to a bar the night before and i woke up <laughs> and was convinced i was like my car is gone and i had had my car stolen before so i was okay. like oh okay i've been through this yeah and i went I've to the other side movie. of the park and just was like yeah man it's fucking gone and panicking i had anxiety especially the day after drinking yeah and we literally it got to the point where we literally called the police and the police were standing there and this sounds like a fucking joke but we were standing there and the cops were like okay what kind of car and then as I'm talking, I look, and my car was, like, on the other end of the parking lot. I could, I could literally <laughs> see the car. And I was had this thing where, like, there's several moments where I now know where my car is. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, what play, what you, point do I tell this police officer? Oh, I thought you were just going to play it out. No, I was like, I eventually was like, you know what? I'm an idiot. I just, my car is over. But I didn't come out and say I was driving in a blackout. Yeah. But I was like, I'm I'm an idiot. My car is over. The, I moved it. And they, I think that it felt <laughs> like they were like, um, okay. <laughs> but it clearly, I just drove and was in a fucking blackout yeah. condition and just parked it in a different place and had no memory. Like, we just didn't remember. Did you, um, now, obviously, we don't condone drinking and driving, but it's something that I've been arrested for a few times. Did you do that often? Not a ton. See, I was always afraid of getting arrested. Okay. So I, I did it many, many times. But normally I would always have – I would try to get someone else to drive, which is funny because it would be somebody as drunk or drunker than I am. Yeah, but as long as you're not the one taking the rap. But I had no fear of death yeah, or a that's... wreck or killing somebody. And so I would just be like, you drive. And then I'm like, great. He'll get arrested and then whatever. <laughs> And so all my fears were of getting arrested, not of, of killing somebody or getting killed. Um, but, yeah, I drove drunk a few times. Not a ton, but, yeah, enough. Well, the reason I ask is because that was something, especially in Florida where I'm from, mm -hmm. it's something where that's just you drive. You have to drive. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not like up here. And I had a, when I first moved here, it was something um, I tried to turn it into a bit, but it's something that I was almost envious of when you'd get on the subway and you'd see the person down on their luck, like, getting wasted in the subway. Yeah. And a lot of people would go, oh, that's so sad. And I'd be like, that's fucking genius. Like, nothing's going to happen. Like, you're not going to get in an accident. You're not going to get arrested. Like, you're just hanging out. Yeah. New York was like, yeah, that was, I mean, my drinking obviously got worse when I came to New yeah. York for that reason. But Boston was similar because public transportation is so bad in Boston. Okay. That subway stops running, back then at least, at like 1230 and last call is at 2, which was like a running joke. I'm like, this is like entrapment. <laughs> They're doing this on purpose. And and no one, it's such an expensive city to live in, so you have to live. When I was in my early 20s, I lived at my parents' house still, and that yeah. was like 40 minutes away. Oh, wow. And then I moved to Everett, which is like a town over, but still there's no public transportation. And cabs just weren't the same kind of – to take a cab from like Boston to Everett where I lived was like unheard of. That yeah. was like a different – 
I don't know, just literally it was unheard. Like cabs were just driving around. This is before Lyft, also. Yeah, and I never, I never thought I would just drive. And the reason I brought it up was because there were so many times, and I'm not proud of it, but there's so many times where I would look out my window and my car would be like in three spots, yeah, like yeah sideways, yeah. and I'd run down and you check it. And this is the like the cold reality of it, but you're checking it for blood or for like anything. Like, did you get into an accident and run away? Like, yeah. And I, but that was like. A regular because I would my drinking got to the point where I would like have the little airplane minis in my center console Sure, yeah, and I would just always be drunk because it got to the point where if I didn't have something to drink I couldn't function physically like my body would just shut down right. This is bringing up so many stories Go one, ahead. Yeah, one, is... uh, I would drive from New York to oh, this is the one thing I want to say first of all is all the times I'll go on podcasts and I'll talk about this and people were like fucking drunk driving you piece of shit yeah, yeah, yeah. people die and I'm like no, I know. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not like, that's right, baby. <laughs> like, <laughs> Get I have, away with I it. I have horrible shame. I want to kill myself all the time. That's why I stopped. I was like, I need, I should die. I'm a yeah. piece of shit. So I just want to put that out there. Yeah. I'm, it's a horrible thing. And, and I was just talking, do you know a comic named Keegan Tyndall? No. He's a hilarious guy. I just had him on my podcast yesterday, but he was in a horrible, he got hit by a drunk driver Yeah. and he got all fucked up. He's, he's fine now, but, or he's. He's alive now, I yeah. should say. Um, but anyway, it, it, the guy's in prison. and So we oh, yeah. just had this long conversation about this guy, drunk well, driver. We saw him. people at meetings all the time. They yeah, were just yeah. getting out of prison for that very thing. And that's the weirdest thing is even all the shit that happened to me, the arrests, the fights, the violence, all that stuff, when I would drive, it was always because I'm an alcoholic and I'm selfish and self-centered, and it was always... Well, the worst case scenario, I'll get arrested. Never right, exactly. once in my life did I think I would hit someone. And I thank God, knock on wood, I never got into an accident. The two DUIs I got were both, one was in a parking lot and I wasn't even driving. Um, and the first one was at a red light. And the, the cops had just been following me, so they just waited for me to like pause at a green right. light. And then that's when they arrested me. So thank God nothing ever came of it. But I never thought like, oh, I'll hit somebody. It was always like, oh, worst case, I'll get arrested. No big deal. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, I was a very cautious driver when I was drunk because I was so afraid of getting pulled over. So I'd be like 10 and 2. Yeah, oh, yeah. And Speed, now. Two miles an hour under the speed limit. Yeah. yeah. And texting and driving is, I think, significantly so worse than worse. drinking and driving could ever yeah. be. But um, the the nips in the, uh, or, or whatever you call them, we call them nips yeah. in Boston. Um, but it reminds me, I would drive from New York to Boston and there was a place in Connecticut where I felt like I had reached the point where I could start drinking. Yeah. And so I would pull over or get off of this exit in Mystic, Connecticut, go to the liquor store, get some little rum nips, and then I would go to Burger King and get a Coke. Yeah, oh yeah. And then just make a Captain Coke yeah. and cruise home, which, which I had a bit about. <laughs> I had a bit about this for years, which looking back, you know, it doesn't age well, but I really thought it should be legal to drink and drive, but not drive drunk. Yeah. Like, if I'm on my first drink, What's that? that should be okay. Yeah. Why can't I drive with a Captain and Coke? I'm not inebriated. I'm currently drinking it. And I still actually <laughs> think that's a decent argument. That was the I'm thing. below the legal limit, but I'm yeah. having my drink. That it was When I first, I, I tell people this all the time, and I'm, I'm sure you had a similar experience, is relearning how to do everything when you get sober. Yeah. And people would go, oh, what do you mean by that? And it's like, I would go to the movies and bring a fifth yes. of vodka with me, I'd get a Hawaiian punch, fill it halfway, and then fill the other half with vodka. Like, I would be trashed. Yes, like, I same. didn't know how to watch a movie without, like, my ex-fiance would text me sometimes and be like, are you okay? And I'd be like, why? She goes, because I'm on, the, we had a shared Netflix. So even though we were broken up, 
she could tell by the movies I was watching that I was drinking again because they were hilarious. like my drinking movies. That's hilarious. Yes, yeah, so she'd be like, "What's going on?" Yeah, yeah. I know. I I was similar. We would have. I remember my friend and I having like beers lined up in our pants going to the um, movies and just dying laughing because at that time now it's maybe it's changed. But like if you heard like a whoosh, yeah. like there was no there was no cans at the movie, yeah, they, so people would be like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> And then you would just leave them, and you would just leave the movie theater, and someone you'd laugh because you're like, someone's going to clean the movie theater, and there's going to be 11 Miller Lite cans. Um, yeah, that was just all very normal. But the other story I was going to tell was uh, I was dry, drinking somewhere, I think in like Plymouth, Massachusetts, with a, with a friend, and he had driven. We were, he was supposed to drive me back, and so I was just drinking like... This is when you still lived in Mass? Yeah. Okay. So I was drinking like a maniac, thinking he's driving. Yeah. And then this is like guy code shit. He like met a woman uh -oh. and she was like, come back to my place. And then he was like, dude, I need you to take my car. You got to drive home because I'm going to go with this woman. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> but that, back then, you weren't like, oh, no, that's no good. Because yeah. I was like 23. So I was like, you got to do it, man. Fucking <laughs> boys. Got to look out for the boy. And so I was like, you got it. Fuck. And he was older. So I was like. If you want to be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I was driving. And I was really paranoid because I was like, I had been drinking pretty good. Yeah. And I got like a mile from my house in Whitman, Massachusetts. I got pulled over. And it was because his inspection sticker had been expired oh that son of a bitch and uh he, he was a fire i hung out with a lot of firefighters so he had the firefighter sticker so cops are, tend to be lenient mm. if you're in a fire department whatever um and but he was like yeah he was like a rookie cop he looked young he looked my age and he was like you can't drive this i can't let you drive this vehicle and he's like i can either give you a ride home or you can walk you're close to home and i almost was like I'll just walk. I got to walk this off. Yeah. <laughs> but I did. I was like, I'll just walk. And I remember like, it was like a movie. It was like three, I was like three steps away walking, waiting for him to be like, actually, wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. And because the whole time I was like, I am shithoused and pulled over talking to a cop right now. And this is some white privilege shit, I'm sure oh, yeah. too. But I walked home and like, I was like, I seem to have gotten away with it, but I was so drunk. I woke up the next day. My buddy was like knocking on the door. I opened the door and he's like, Hey, where's my car? And I go, I was like, it's in the driveway. And he's like, oh, yeah. no, it's not. And I was like, yeah, it's in the driveway. I drove home. And he's like, look, he's like opening my way. He's like pointing. He's like, it's not in the driveway. And I was like, what the fuck? And then it was like, oh, shit, dude. You completely forgot. Yeah, I was like, the police have it. And he's like, what? But it was like a total, because, you know, when you first wake up anyway, especially when you're drinking, you're just in a daze. You're usually like, what bed am I in? Oh, and it was like yeah. a total thing of like, right, yep. Yeah, they, I took, remember they took your car. And then he was mad at me, but I'm like, you fucked me. Yeah. You you had told me I you were driving. Then you made me drive. And then you're fucking licensed. Like, I should be in jail right now. And it's only because this rookie cop is a fucking moron <laughs> that I'm not in prison right now. Or not prison, but, you know, jail. Yeah. Um, anyways. I stole one time when I came home from college because uh, I, had, I had started getting into it, like, with drinking. But it was weird because when I played college football, it was one of those things where it was so intense that it's like, you can't do this every day. Like, you would physically just die. Right. And at college, football meant so much to me. Like, playing Division One football after not, like, being that great in high school, I was like, this is it. And I was scout team. Like, I didn't play. Right. But it was just being on the team meant so much that I remember I went home for a summer and I was like, all right, now it's time to, like, let loose. And I stole a friend's car. Oh, Jesus. Like, we were at... 
an apartment, a buddy's apartment, and I was like, I want to go home. And so I just grabbed his keys off the counter and walked out. And sure. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a license, I don't think, at the time. And I just walked out. And I remember the car ran out of gas. And this is in Daytona, like on the side streets of Daytona. It ran out of gas. And a cop, like, lights me up. Like, I don't know how much time had passed. And it was a buddy of mine I played high school football with. But it's that same kind of wow. thing where it's like, oh, I should be arrested. Like, yeah, this yeah. is going to be really bad. Yes. And then he comes over and he looks in and he goes, Tassif? And I go, Schwartzy? And he goes, what the fuck are you doing? And I go, I ran out of gas. He goes, is this your car? And I go, no, no, I borrowed it. And he goes... Get in the car. Like, I'm taking you home. Yeah, God, that's, yeah. There's a lot of stories like that that it just works out okay. A lot of yeah. stories like that from white guys that it just seems to work out for. Yeah. But no, there's a million stories like that of, of people just kind of being like, dude, you got to get the fuck out of here. So when did you move to New York? How old were you when you got here? I was 25. I moved in almost exactly 16 years ago. I moved April 1st, 2007. Okay, and then that's, so you spent... The seven years in Boston doing comedy. Yeah. And then you're like, all right, now it's time to make the move to New York. Yeah, I always wanted to move to New York. I knew I would move to New York. And then I was one of those things I was always afraid because I you, you, I got settled into the Boston scene. That yeah. I kind of like was doing well there. I was like the guy, at yeah. least looking back, you know, I was seven years in. But, you know, like I was opening for all the big acts and stuff. Well, that's a huge thing. That's, yeah. Uh, that's the same thing in Florida, not as prominent. Um like doing like clubs or theaters or opening for any like huge names. But my friends who would headline like these bar shows or these produce shows or even some of these clubs, some of them would take me with them yeah. and to feature for them and stuff. And I was like, oh, we're doing it. But I was like, now we got to go to New York. Yeah. Yeah. And I had a buddy, Dan Bulger and, and my buddy Ira, we all got a place together and they were all drinker party yeah. guys. And um, so we moved down and got a place and then that just became you know, let's really get drunk. My, my drinking like went up when okay. I came to New York because now it was like, I don't really know anybody. I have less responsibility, but you can, you can drink and, and I don't, I don't have spots. Yeah. And you so, can move freely throughout the city hammered. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I was broke, but I would, whatever. Did you move up here just like, so when I got to New York, obviously I've been in restaurants for a very long time. So I was able to get a job at a nice steakhouse where I can, you know, comfortably pay my bills and everything. When you got here, were you like, I'm just, I saved up just enough and I'm going to just do comedy. Or did you have something else lined up as far as uh, like a job to survive? No, I just did comedy. At the time I was opening for Nick DiPaolo. Okay. And so that was some amount of work, although not much. And then I had a little bit of money saved up. I should have had a job. Like, yeah. I was totally broke. Like the electricity got turned off, and we were just like, "Oh, we'll figure oh, it I out." Yes, yeah, yeah, and um, really, really broke, and just only because I was a fucking alcoholic idiot did I not get a job. Yeah, and then I would always kind of have a gig here and there that would be just enough. I would yeah. always, I remember, I could never have get a thousand dollars in my account. I would get to like. 700 and then rent was 500 because this is first of all that was 16 years ago it was, yeah. and we had a three bedroom in queens for was, 1600 okay. which We're is crazy queens. it was on 41st street and 20th avenue okay but it was also railroad route which is by the way if you're not a new yorker that's like way for it's like a 17 minute walk to the last train stop in astoria so yeah it wasn't ideal and then it was you had to walk through i had to walk through my buddy's room to get yeah. into my room for the rope yeah. so it was a shithole but just you made it work. Yeah, we made it work, and those guys were always gone, and I was gone a lot, too. I would always drive back to Boston. Again, it was like this ego thing where I was like, let me go back to Boston where people were like, hey, let's do it. Because back hey, here, hey. everyone was like, who the fuck is this idiot? back, dude. Yeah. Get on the fucking stage, bro. Exactly. So I would drive back all the time, and I remember 
the bartender at the comedy connection going, "Didn't do you move or you didn't move?" <laughs> and I remember being like so defensive, like I saw "Fuck that you!" So much in Florida, we would have guys that would move to the big cities, but they would always be back, and I was like. Wait, are you gone or are you not gone? Like, what's happening? Yeah, because it's hard, and you, you just want to, like, cry and be like, you don't know what it's like down there. <laughs> Nobody cares. Because I had, the same, likes me. I had the same thing, because, like, I knew Nick DiPaolo, and I knew Colin Quinn, and, like, I had been on the road with those guys. So I'd been on the road with Nick anyways. And so when I moved to the city, I really felt like... What's up? Yeah, there I yeah, am, yeah. baby. Oh, and then, understand 100%. Yeah, and not long after I moved to New York, I got on comedy, like a year after, or maybe a little less than a year. It was a, almost exactly 11 months later. I got on live at Gotham on Comedy Central, yeah. which again, which was like a comedy showcase show. And again, I thought like, now I've made, I'm so dumb with career. And, and again, a lot of this is just alcoholism. But I remember being like, I made it. Great. And like, I didn't even think like, let me see if I can capitalize on this. I was just like, beautiful. Yeah. I'm in the TV club, made it. And like, literally nobody gives a shit whatsoever about the show. I talk about this all the time with uh, Charge uh, because when I, so I had a few friends that moved to New York um, to apartments sight unseen and they ended up being like flooded basements or they would like, you know, at the Comedy Zone in Jack, some New York comics would come through and they'd be like, hey man, I really like you. And they would hang out and then like the, the New York comic would tell the Jacksonville comic like, hey, if you're ever in New York, look me up. And some of them took that to mean like, oh, like we're best friends now. Like right. I can move to New York and just ask them like, hey, I'm here. Right. And um, it's so interesting because Matt was the only person I knew in New York that had any kind of credits. And he talks about it all the time. Like he, when he got his Comedy Central Presents, everyone's like, oh, this is gonna change your life. And he's like, uh, no, it's not, it didn't. No. But then I got here and I reached out to Matt only just to be like, hey, like, let's just have a sit down. And we ended up becoming very close. And he's like one of my mentors up here now. And we do the podcast together. But it's so weird, all the stories you hear about these comics who move just off of like a conversation. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's not that's not how that works at all. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely a practice in humility to move to the city because, yeah, nobody gives it. Nobody gives a shit about fucking Kevin Hart walking into yeah. the comedy cellar. Like, yeah. oh, Kevin's here. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, I remember thinking, like, this is going to be something. Everyone's going to be really impressed by all this, and nobody cares. Yeah. And, um, well, yeah, I, it was tough. I've heard you talk about this before. Um, but the the clip thing where yeah. like you I, I forget what podcast it was on, um, but I heard you talking about like when you put out this uh, this year's material, I think it was. Yeah. And then you like put it out. You went on all the podcasts, you cut a few clips from it. And then like someone had said to you, like, oh, you let your special like die. Like you didn't keep putting yeah, it. Yeah. Like, no, it's out now. Like, that's yeah. the thing. <laughs> no, it's hard. And it's hard to navigate. And I got to try to get better about it. It's funny because I remember years ago, like. 15 years ago, talking to this comic, Tony V, who's a Boston legend and just yeah. a great guy. But I remember talking to him. He was He's much older. He's whatever, 25, almost 30 years older than me. But I remember talking to him, and I was like, yeah, I'm not great with the networking, the kind of schmoozing. I just, that's not my thing. And I, I like talking to comics. I'm not good at whatever. Yeah. And he was like, well, you got to get good. Like, I thought I was like wearing as a badge of courage. <laughs> of like, yeah. you know, I'm like, I'm, I'm not artist, a schmoozer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do I don't any, do that. I'm not yeah. one of these climbers. And he's like, well, you got to get good at it because it's part of the job. Yeah. And I think that now where I'm like, I'm not really a TikTok social media guy. And it's like, well, you should get good at that because yeah. you're going to be left behind. Yeah. But it's, it is frustrating. The clip, I was, it's funny. I was just talking to a young comic yesterday, like really a, a 20 year old comic. 
And I was like, yeah, I just don't have clips. And I, I had one thing that was really funny, but I think that could be a bit. And he's like, well, why wouldn't you post it if it's a bit? And I was like, well, I don't want to post bits. And he was like, what? Yeah. Why? And I was like, well, I'm, I, and then as I'm saying, I sound like I'm 100 years old. I'm like, because <laughs> I want to put it on a special. And he was like, a sp what? A special? And I'm like, oh, I'm just an old man. I'm like, you I do an hour and you put it out. Yeah. I'm not just going to waste it on a fucking Instagram clip. Well, there's sometimes now where I've, I put I put a, a couple clips. Like, I, I, I always do this where, like, once every three months, I'm like, I'm going to fucking do it, and I'll go through old videos, and I'll cut clips from it, and I'm like, I'm going to fucking do this. Yeah. And then I, after, like, you know, I'll get, like, four or five good clips, and then I'm just like, like, one of them will hit a little bit, and then the others just fall flat, and I go, why the fuck am I doing this? And then, but I know there's some of them that actually, a few of them that hit are, like, some of my better jokes, and obviously I don't have a special out, so I still do them. Yeah. And it's, I feel like such a piece of shit when I'm on stage saying it because I'm like, oh, this sounds so contrived now because it's online and thousands of people have seen it. Like, Yeah, I struggle with this. I, it's funny. I just last night did a show in Astoria, and I do on like once a month, and there was like six people that had been at the previous one. So yeah. I was like, well, now I can't do anything I did. I'm like, you guys fucked me. Yeah. And I think a lot of them are just like, we'll just tell it again. We'll just hear it again. Yeah. But yeah, it does feel like a magic trick. And again, maybe this is ego shit too, but it's like, I don't want to tell a joke to somebody that's already heard the joke. Yeah. Because you look like a jackass yeah, <laughs> to it's, me. It's, I, well, I 100% agree. I feel the same way. Like, even because, like I said, I have to do open mics still and stuff. Uh, and even at open mics, like, if there's the same comics, I'll do a totally new five minutes because I'm like, oh, I'm not. Like, we just did that. Like, yeah. I'm not doing that again. And it's I feel the same way with audiences, which is bizarre. But it's I'm one of the only people I know who does this where I'm not totally jaded and I'm genuinely like such a fan of comedy. Like I got into comedy. I didn't think it was a job, which good on you for being like, Oh no, that's what I'm going to do. But I used to watch comedy central presents with like Greg Giraldo and Mitch Hedberg yeah. and Tom Rhodes. And I, I remember thinking when I was like 12 and 13, like, Oh, like for this 30 minutes or for this hour, I can get out of my own head and yeah, my anxiety yeah. and it makes me laugh. But I was like, I could never do that. And then I saw Dane and he rips his shirt off and he pours the water on yeah. him. And I remember thinking, oh, I want to I want to do that. Right. Like, that's right. fucking that's me. Like, that's crazy. And it's weird because I listen to those specials. I've listened to like I've watched yours a bunch. Like, I don't know. I, I still love comedy so much, even though I've been doing it for over a decade. I can go down to the stand or the cellar and just watch the same comics over and over. But I realize that that's not most people like people will be like, yeah, I saw that special a few years ago. And I go. Well, yeah, you got to rewind. Like, you don't remember. And they go, nah, I saw it. Yeah, no, it's weird. I mean, I, I used to be more like that. I mean, there's some old specials I've seen a million times. Yeah. But, yeah, I've, I've, I'm trying to be better about watching stand-up. I was just talking about this yesterday, too. It's like, because what happens, too, is, like, if you're not watching stand-up, then you just become a fucking hack yeah because you're like oh there's like seven guys that do that yeah, bit. <laughs> um, i thought i was so inventive for talking about my alcoholism on stage when i first got sober yeah and my friend daisy tackett friend of the show hilarious comic who started in new york and now lives in florida she came up to me she goes hey uh, just a heads up when you move to new york because she knew i was moving oh yeah yeah she goes you know the alcoholic stuff and i go yeah right right like yeah. totally she goes yeah, there's a lot of sober comics in New York, and I was like, oh, no! No, it's it's funny. It's, like, hard. As I, I've had some sobriety stuff, but a lot of it, I'm just like, oh, that guy has a very similar thing yeah. or whatever. Yeah, it's difficult. Well, comedians tend to be a lot of alcoholics. <laughs> yeah. 
So I wanted to talk about, so you moved to New York and then your drinking just takes off. Yeah. And you're obviously, you're too, you know, you're working with Nick DiPaolo and you're doing all this stuff. Are you at any point, like, when does it click in your head where, because I, for most alcoholics, it clicks in your head that you have an issue, but then you don't do anything about it for a while. Yeah. So did you have that same experience? Yeah, I definitely, I mean, like very early on, well before I moved here, I was like, I have a, I'm drinking, heavy, not a drinking problem because I was in my 20s. Yeah. And you know how it is. You gravitate towards people that drink as bad or worse oh, yeah. than you. And I always, I was so young when I started drinking. My whole adult life, I've always hung out with people much older than me. Mm. You know, DePaulo was 20 years older than me. My fr Most of my closest friends have always been 5, 10, 20 years older than me. And a lot of them drank heavy. So I would be like, well... I drink really hard, but that guy drinks hard, and he's got kids. Yeah. So if he's doing it, then I'm. You kind of justify it that <laughs> yeah. way a lot. And I would just always gravitate towards complete fucking lunatic alcoholics. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely, yeah, but I definitely was like, I drink more than a normal person. Like mm. I'm blacking out. I'm a vandal. I, you know, I my career is shit. I feel like shit. This is clearly not. So I kind of knew. And when I first moved to New York, I thought that would be a good time to get sober. Yeah. I was like, new place, new me. Yeah. And then I like, I, I tell this story a lot too. I started, you know, trying to go to meetings and, and, and I had like eight days sober and I had friends that were hanging out at Coyote Ugly, which I don't think is there anywhere in the East Village, but they danced on the yeah. bar and shit. We know the movie. And um, I was like, yeah, I'll come meet you guys. Like, I, I was like, I just left a meeting and I was like, here we go. <laughs> it's like so classic. I'm like, oh, I got eight, I got a good grip on this thing. And then eight I, days in. I ordered a soda and the lady, they, they turned down the music and she was like, we got a pussy in the house. Oh, and everyone shit. was like, oh. And literally, it's like a joke. I was like, give me a rum and coke. And then they were like, <laughs> and uh, and then I just went back out. But obviously, I wasn't ready to get yeah. sober. Yeah, I feel yeah. like going to Coyote Ugly on day eight. I used to when I first got out of rehab in uh, Florida. I we would all go to bars to play pool. Like that was our thing. Yeah. So everyone from the halfway house would go to the bars, and the owner of the halfway house was like, "I don't think that's a good idea, you guys." And we're like, "We're fine." Like we went to rehab, man. Like we know everything about this yeah. thing. And I remember I would order. A Diet Coke, but I would get it in a rocks glass with a big cube so I didn't look like a little bitch at yeah, the pool hall. And <laughs> I did that for a long time. And then I would always end up relapsing. And I remember the first time I went to like a bar to do comedy sober, like really sober, like after I almost died and ended up in the hospital. And then I was like, all right, I got to figure this out. I went to a bar and I was like, I just want a water. Like, do you just have a bottle of water? And it kind of clicked in my head where I was like, Okay, I think this is for real this time. Like, right. I'm past the whole, like, yeah, I don't yeah. give a shit what I look like. I don't care because I just need to stay sober. Yeah, no, it's funny. It's like the uh, the old adage, if you hang out in a barbershop long enough, you're going to get a haircut. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, absolutely. And it's a lot of, you know, and and, and check your uh, your motives, your intentions, because it's like, do I really want to play pool this bad? Yeah, or do I just kind of want to be in a bar? Yeah. Which you have to do with comedy a lot. Like, a lot of times you'd be in bars, and you're like, I'm here to do a set. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, I'm going to go now. But Yeah, and that's another weird thing, because people... Because you forget, I mean, I'm coming up on five years in May. I know you're coming up, you have 10 years. Yeah, I just had 10 a few months ago. Yeah, yeah. which is awesome. And I, it's easy to forget. And I know we talk, I talk about this at meetings all the time, but it's like you get far away from it. And then like newly sober people or people I sponsor will be like, how do you, like, how do you even go into a bar? And I go, well, comedy is in the, like, this yeah. is, 
this is literally I care my it's like sobriety and then comedy as far as like my level of importance and they go like well yeah but it's in a bar like you can't go because it's in a bar and I was like well as long as you're spiritually fit you can do whatever you want to do as long as you have the reason to be there yeah but it blows my mind because I you forget like how difficult it is when you're first getting sober to even be around it yeah it becomes late like I remember a sponsor saying that it's like you want it to be more like a hand to the flame yeah like you're not um like you're not sitting in your kitchen, and be like, but I really want to put my hand in that fire. You're just like, oh, I can't put my hand in that yeah. fire. It's gonna burn my hand off. But I remember thinking that, being like, having days sober and being like, hey, good news. I did a show. My friends went to a bar, and I got the hell out of there. Yeah. And my sponsor being like, that's good for now. But ultimately, you would like to be able to go to a bar and hang out yeah. if you have to or want to or whatever. But yeah, early on, you don't. It still hasn't gotten through of like. I can't drink. You're mm -hmm. like, I'll go to a, how do you go to a bar? Now you're yeah. like, oh, I go to a bar because I don't want to drink. I'm well aware that I can't drink. Yeah, it is interesting, too, when you meet people. And I, I don't know if this has happened in your life, but you, you see people and you just go like, especially now relapsing as many times as I did and then finally getting sober. And, you know, I just have today, but being, you know, coming up on five years and hopefully I make it there. But seeing people who just don't. Like they just, it won't, it doesn't turn over. Like the bottom never comes. So like terrible things happen and they're like, oh, I got to clean it up. But then it never sticks. Right. And that's one of the things that has been hard for me, whether it's comedians that I know where they just can't get out of their own way because of drugs and alcohol or just, you know, friends or whatever. But it's one of those things where you just, once you get some time behind you, you want to like shake them and be like, fucking listen to me. Yeah, yeah. But they just don't. And you're just like, oh, it took me a long time to, and I talk to my sponsor about this all the time, but just to be like, that's not, it's not up to me. Like right, it's right. out of my control. Yeah, no, it's very hard. And I remember having a friend who got a DUI and, and call and being like, all right, this is my moment to seize and like really 12 steps this guy. I got him. And I was like, yeah, this is a fucking, this is the best, this is the best thing that ever happened. Like, you're going to look back at this as like the greatest moment of your life. And I gave my big like Rudy speech. <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, well, I only really drink when I'm on the road. I don't, and it was like one of those things of like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like he's, he's not even close. This is wrong place. Yeah, wrong time like he's, like, he's like, I'm like, oh, you're not even like close to seeing it. Yeah. You're still like, oh, no, I don't. What? Drinking problem. <laughs> I just got a DUI. That's all. Like, I, I thought, <laughs> You oh, got to get in other people's business problems. Yeah. What you got. I'm like, oh, he's going to see it right now. And he was like, oh. I've had people reach out to me. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, here we go. Yeah. And then the next day I've called them and be like, how you doing? And they go, I'm fine. They were in a blackout. They don't even remember calling right, me. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, God damn it. Yeah, that happens a lot. And it's it's hard. And you know, the, the thing is, like, it's for the people that uh, want it, not yeah, people that need it. it. Yeah. And um, it's hard because there's so many people that you're like, you really. And, and that's what's hard, too. There's, there's people that you're like, you would flourish in sobriety. Because some people, there's some people that are like, you would, it would be belabored, it would be hard. Because, you know, you go to meetings, you see those people that are like, just staring at the fucking ground, being like, it's 10 a.m., start. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, oh, this poor guy. But there's some people that are like, yeah, we put together a, a Frisbee league. Just to, <laughs> yeah. And you're like, like, there's certain people you know that you're like, you would love it. You'd flourish. You'd be all over this thing. And uh, they just can't yeah. get there. It's, um, it is definitely a weird thing. I wanted to ask you about the last time you drank. Do you remember the last time you drank? Yeah, it's not that crazy. Oh, it's not? Interestingly, yeah, it's weird. I had a, a kind of a funny uh, last drinking. 
It's so funny because to me it was like I didn't even really drink, but to a normal person they're like, oh, that's a that's a good amount of drinking. <laughs> how well, how when when is this? So you moved to the city, you said in uh, in 2007, and I got sober the end of 2012, and it had been building, and I really a, a big f- part of it was, and I had like horrible bottoms, and I just kept going. Like I mean, yeah. like I sort of I've told the story many times, but like shit in a girl's shoe and all over her floor, and fell through her table, and I flew across the country with shit all over my leg, and. <laughs> And then I, I just kept story. drinking. I just kept going. Yeah. Like, I was like, I drank oh, that I, night. I tell people, I, like I said, eight arrests, three alcohol, po- three host- ER visits for alcohol poisoning. Uh, I, you know, love of my life, ex-fiance leaves me because I can't stop. And people are like, oh, so you stopped after that? After that? After? And it's like, no, no, no. We just power through. No, this I love hearing those stories too at meetings and stuff. And you're like, okay, here's where he gets it. And then you're like, this what? Okay, and you're like, here's where he gets it. Yeah. And you're like, holy shit. It took me at thirty waking up in a high. And I, this is what the one man show. This is like the big end of it. But at 30 years old, on like two days after my birthday, waking up in a hospital room and a doctor walking in and being like, What the fuck? And I was like, What's up? He goes, How are you awake? How are you alive? Like, you should have been dead three hours ago. Wow. And I was like, All right, maybe, maybe now it's time. Yeah. Maybe I got to hang it up. No, it's hard. But so, anyways, I, I had many things like that. And do I have a booger hanging out this whole time? <laughs> You're good. I feel something. <laughs> I would have told you. Um, but anyways, it's I, an honest program. I had, um, yeah, it was like the end of 2012, and I really just fucking like hated myself and the, and the career and all that stuff, and just feeling sick. And I always talk about this too. I'm like, I was drunk, drinking, or hungover a hundred percent of yeah, the time. All like the time. I either felt like shit, or I had just started drinking, or I was hammered. And um, 2012, Christmas 2012. One thing was I, I got nothing but alcohol for christmas gifts <laughs> like a hundred percent of what i got was like i got you a handle of rum we got you some nips we got you a six pack so rum was your thing yeah i was a big rum guy i mean i would drink anything because i was yeah, broke yeah, yeah. but i loved jaeger bombs and rum and then ipas and um but yeah pretty much anything i mean i hated vodka and tequila but whatever people I would started with rum I started with Captain in college, yeah, and me then too. I had to switch to Sailor Jerry because Captain wasn't strong enough. I had built up too yeah, much I of love Sailor Jerry. So I, <laughs> I, if I tell a regular person, yeah, I switched to Sailor Jerry, they go, that's disgusting. And you're no, like, no, that, I that love the it. best. I love the bottle. I love the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, the artwork, everything. Yeah, yeah. I remember one year I took a picture. It was old camera phones. I took a picture of all the empty bottles, handles I had stacked up, yeah. and my friend had sent that into Sailor Jerry, and so for my birthday, they sent me an entire care package. Oh, that's and amazing. I was like, Fuck, because I literally had like 30 empty handles like in my closet because I was too embarrassed to take them out to the trash. Sure. And so they sent me a bunch of swag. But then I switched to vodka just because I was like, oh, I can't survive drinking this much sugar all the time. That's what I, that's another funny quick story. I went to the hospital when I was like 20. My heart was like beating out of my chest. And the guy was like, did you do cocaine? And I was like, no. And he was like, do you have a history? And he was like, do you drink alcohol? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, what do you drink? And I said, Captain and Coke. And he's like, well, how many do you have in a night? And I was like... I've eight to 10, 12, sometimes 15. And he was like, what? <laughs> and he goes, the Coke alone would cause this. He's like, just that much Coke. Like, he was like genuinely like, dude. <laughs> Too much sugar. Just that amount of Coca-Cola is like fucking horrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah. anyway, so I I, uh, I still am convinced I have like <laughs> just hairs and boogers sticking out everywhere. But um, it was, uh, I did a weekend opening for Gary Gullman, who do, is not a, a sober guy, but he doesn't drink. Yeah. And we were talking... And I was talking about how I really need to quit drinking and I drink too much. And he gave me like the classic thing. It's like a, become like a classic joke now. He's like, he gave me the, you might alcoholic test, the oh, 25 yeah. questions, 
which, you know, the running joke with sober folks is if somebody's administering that test, you're, you, yeah. you're, you're an alcoholic. I know you said like, too. Like normal people, people are like, like, hey. <laughs> How do I know if I have a drinking problem? Yeah. Like, if you're reaching out to a stranger. Yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah, you have a drink. But anyways, I, it was one of those ones where it was like, I said yes to 23 out of 25. And the other two were like, have you been hospitalized for drinking? Have you been arrested? And there's two things that I should have had. Yeah. It was like, I've never been arrested, but you're like, but I have broken the law many, (laughs) many many times. times. Yeah. Um, But anyways, so my last, I kind of like was like, I'm going to quit. I remember sitting and like making a list of all the sober people I met. And my last night drinking was at Helium in Philadelphia. And I had like, I don't know, four beers and a shot. And Mm -hmm. like, there was a couple of comics there having like a whiskey on the run. I was like, I'll have a whiskey with you. Yeah. So it was like not a blackout, not a party, not anything. And I drank. And then the next day we talked again and I was like, you know what? This is it. I'm, I'm quitting. Oh, and it did feel like a moment of clarity. clarity. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God. And I remember calling my wife who was in the program then and now was sober already. And I was like, I, I just quit. I, I'm quitting. And How she was kind of like, okay. Sober? It's funny when now you looking back. She had about three years. I think she's got about three more years than I do. Okay. Or maybe she was, yeah, she might have been just over three or just under three. But um, I remember her being kind of like, okay, and not doing any, like, great. You yeah, because well, three years in, she's probably heard a, a thousand people say, like, I'm done now. I'm really done. Yeah, and I was, I started doing a day count on my own. I, I was like, I'm not going back to those meetings, though. That shit was crazy. <laughs> I don't need any of that. Those people are nuts. Because that's the thing, too. Like, part of me is like, I got... People would be like, let me get your phone number. It was like an old, crazy, yeah, yeah. like, hey, I'm going to call you. And I was like, what? I don't want you calling me, you fucking whack job. It it's is so a- much crazier. Like, it's crazy in Florida, obviously, for all the stories you've everyone's heard about Florida. But in New York, when I started going to meetings, I was like, oh, some of these people are, like, fucking psychos. Like, I don't want to give my number to any yeah. of these people. My sponsor's like, just give them your number. And then I'd have people calling me, like, 12, 15 times a day. Yeah. And then you make the mistake of telling them you do comedy. And, of course, they're in some sort of facet of entertainment. And they're like, hey, man, like, we should get together and do something. And I'm like, oh, God. Like, well, that that's why I was so lucky is from from comedy, I had a, uh, acquired, like, many sober friends. Yeah. So I had, like... Met, like several friends that I was like, hey, you're, you're doing this. So that was helpful. But yeah, anyways, my last night of drinking was not that memorable. And the, the story I also tell a lot is what really made me want to get sober was on Christmas night, my brother-in-law, who I love, his father had just died. And I was like making a joke about his dad. Dying. I was like, hey, your dad or something. Yeah. And he looked really upset. And he was like, what are you doing? And it felt like such <laughs> a heavy drunk. question. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. That, like I was like, I'm just hurting people's feelings. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I was like, and I just felt like such a, a shit version of myself. And I also remember having this feeling too of like, I'm a good guy. Yeah. Like I'm like a good, thoughtful person. And I had a, a lot of fun and fret, like deep, meaningful relationships when I was sober. Like there's no need for this. Yeah. And I had a lot of moments like that of like, Late night hang. I remember after the Caroline's Christmas party one time, I went out with Phil Hanley and Norman, and we were at a diner, and it was like the sun was coming out, and I kept ordering beers, and I was like, "We're just having laugh. like no one else is drinking." Yeah, you're and then the bill time, comes, yeah. and you're like, "I owe eighty. That's all my money." Yeah, and I was like, "We could have totally not been. No one else was drinking with me." Yeah, like it was just like th- those kind of moments of like, "What the fuck am I doing?" When I would go out with my ex because she would have you know a glass of wine, if not like a you know a couple glasses of wine, and I remember <clears throat> there was a part of me that would be a little resentful when we'd go out to dinner because I don't drink, and then especially in New York, you get the bill. 
and it's you know twenty five dollars a glass. It's like this is an extra hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, yeah. and like. <clears throat> The restaurant I work at is corporately owned, so there's other restaurants we can go to to get, like, a discount or whatever, but it's only on the food. So then you'd get the bill, and you're still paying all this money for right. the booze, and you're like, seriously, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, no, it's all all those things and all the all the shame and all this stuff. Just, it was just a, a lot of uh, shame and yeah. money and stuff, like, and, and lack of reaching potential. I was like, I gotta, and it's that classic, like, I was sick and tired of being sick, sick and, and tired. tired. Yeah. You're just like, this is awful. I feel like shit all the time. It's interesting that you brought up the, the simple question of, like, what are you doing and how that kind of, like, hit you a yeah. different way. Because it seems so benign, but I remember when I lived in Oklahoma City for a brief period, like three months, I was living with my cousin. This is the one that introduced me to stand-up comedy. Shout out Tom Joyce. But uh, I remember he said, listen, man, like, you love comedy and you're pretty good at it, but you're getting on stage drunk. I would run, like, I'd be at an open mic in Oklahoma City and I'd do 15 minutes. Like, run, because I was a big, like, I had gained a lot of weight, but I was still a big dude, so no one's going to fucking get me off the stage. Yeah. So I would just do an Arnold impression for, like, 10 minutes straight. Just like, what are you doing? Don't give me the fucking light. You come get me. And I remember my cousin took me aside and he said, listen, man, like, we write together. When you're not drinking, you're, you're, pretty good at this like you could do something with this so how about this you stay sober for 30 days and he had lived in Oklahoma City for a while and he was like I will use my sway to get you booked into showcases and get you auditions and <clears throat> maybe you can make a real run of this you know it's in Oklahoma City but still there's a lot of good comics there yeah and I was like all right bet I'll do that and 28 days later I was drinking and he it was in a back room I was watching burn notice on my cell phone on Netflix and I remember he came back there and same thing he just goes what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You're like, you're two days away. Like, what do you, what do you, and I looked at him and I, you know, I talk about it in the one man show, but I was like, started crying. And I was like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know. And it was just such a weird thing. Cause it's such a simple question. Like, what are you doing? And it's like something you asked at like a kid. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, hey, what are you doing? Yeah. And it's just like, it hit me so hard where I was like, Oh, I don't fucking know. Yeah, that's the thing is like, you know, I don't know. I'm completely fucking rudderless. <laughs> I just, I don't know. So I wanted to ask you, we have a few minutes left. I wanted to ask you about, because this is something, and I'm sure you get this a lot, but this is something that meant a lot to me when you and Louie did 4th of July. Yeah. And there's a line in it um, that I actually tell all my sponsees now, and oh, I'm, wow. I'm sure you hear about it a lot, but because I, I tag you whenever I, I post about it. But it's something that hit me very hard because so many times in AA, and I've had past sponsors do this or people in meetings and everyone just goes, oh, everything's going to be OK. Everything's going to be OK. Right. And the line in the movie is everything's going to be OK. And if it's not, well, then that's OK, too. And it's that second half that really hit me because it's like, oh, yeah, sometimes things aren't OK. Yeah. Like, sometimes things get totally fucked. Yes. But you're going to deal with it. Yeah. It's like all just acceptance to me. I mean, which is like the it's it's so interesting because I'm like I go to therapy and I, I read a lot of Eastern philosophy and do a lot of meditating. And then, of course, the program. And it's like. You realize you're like all three of these is just acceptance, yeah. really, and I can't control anything. And so that was sort of the idea is this thing of like, this isn't gonna be okay. Like it's not like your family is just all of a sudden gonna be great, which is something yeah. I work on and therapy and all that stuff. It's like it's all just about accepting and and taking it what it is. So I, I we thought that was like a good because um, the sort of moment to kind of end it like that. Yeah, and I, I like I said, I love it. I tag people oh, and I you. tell it to people all the time just because, like I said, there's so many people where it's like, this isn't like some mystical, like, 
like you know what i mean like oh once you get sober everything's fine like right, i've gone right. through breakups i've lost jobs i've quit jobs i've moved across the country like but i did all that sober and i continue to do all that sober and it's one of those things where it's like yeah sometimes things get hard. like i put this one man show together with all the intentions of this is my moment this is my thing and then my director was like hey i don't think we should put it out i think what we should do is shop it around to like theaters to maybe get a run and i go no like i went totally in debt to do like we have to put it out right and he's like no i don't think so but it's to that point where it's like you think this is it and then it's not and that's you figure it out like it's gonna be okay yeah i think there's just so many moments that we have of like if this doesn't work out <laughs> I'm, fucked. I'm fucked and then you're like no no it's totally it's still fine. fine yeah so what was the the movies loosely based around your life correct yeah yeah definitely it's all yeah it's a lot of a lot of my life is yeah. in there it's it's hard because well, like, you even have the uncle that's like the same age yeah as you yeah, in we the put, yeah. yeah we put a lot of stuff like that it's it's hard you start writing and then all of a sudden it's like well this is what happened to me and we're like well that's good yeah and then you kind of just go holy shit we're just making this yeah um there's a lot my family i always have to make it clear my family is not that bad yeah my, my family doesn't say faggot and stuff <laughs> like that like, yeah. well, you mentioned earlier i love him he's so good in that yeah movie. No, i mean everybody is but he, he he's amazing he's perfect so like i do have to feel like i'm like my mother is faggot? not that cold and we don't they don't use slurs yeah. and my family's like extremely like welcoming and not like that um don't get me wrong my family's got some problems <laughs> yeah um uh, but yeah, but so we went pretty. A lot of it is really um, genuine. I think the the mother in the movie is a sociopath. But, yeah, and mine's not. Mine like came to the movie and stuff. Um, but yeah, we tried. That the thing that means the most to me is that how many people like sober people were like, "Are oh, you really nailed it?" Nailed it. And um, that, especially the Bobby Kelly thing. But, yeah, yeah. The, the sponsee and the sponsor and, and and I I didn't. I never occurred to me. That people would think this, but so many people thanked us or thanked me for being like, thank you for not having him relapse. Like, yeah. I think a lot of movies that depict alcoholics, like they just relapse. And there's I guess there's not a lot of movies where someone just stays sober so, throughout yeah. the movie. And and we didn't we never even contemplated that. Oh, really? No. There's a, a good movie. I like. Uh, thank you for sharing with Mark Ruffalo. Um, and it like just if you replace the sex addiction with alcoholism, you're like, oh, this is like so real and stuff. But then same thing, like. You think like when you finally are like cheering, like, oh, it's going to be good. It's all going to work out. This gives me so much hope. And then he relapses. And you're like, well, fuck you. Fuck yeah, this. Yeah. Fuck the whole thing. Right. No, it's it's hard. And then it's it's hard because then when you in a movie, then you depict them getting sober again. You're like, well, how do we know that's not yeah. just so we tried to have it. Well, you know, great, with a steady awesome. sobriety. Oh, thanks. And absolutely. And uh, yeah, we had I think we had some good sponsee sponsor stuff and we also didn't want to depict a meeting because i feel like in so many movies they depict a meeting and yeah. it's just like this Ugh. well and also i like the sponsee thing and sponsor and i know we got to get out of here because you got you've got somewhere to be but the thing i really like about it was the fact that your character and i'm sure because this is how i am in real life i'll talk to my sponsor and be like i don't have time man like i can't yeah, I'm yeah, fucked yeah. Up. like I can't do it. And a lot of times it's like the sponsor is like this mythical, like, oh, my God, he's so wise. He's so all knowing. But it's like, no, in my experience, I'm like, I like I'm sponsored like uh, at some points, like five and six guys. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, right, what are we right. doing here? Yeah, I love the um, there's an old uh, Buddhist saying is um, you should meditate. 20 minutes a day unless you don't have time then you should meditate 30 minutes a day yeah. and uh, yeah it's kind of like that yeah <laughs> like oh, i don't have enough time and you're like well you should make time yeah you have to make time well plug everything one more time um i was at your newest special taping that's coming out soon that was yeah awesome. i don't thank you thanks for coming i don't know when it'll be out but yeah i'm happy with it it'll be out probably in a couple months but my youtube channel go to that subscribe there's two specials on there i hate myself and um, this year's material 
and at Joe List Comedy on Instagram, Twitter, and stuff. Beautiful like that. man, thank yeah. you so much for coming yeah, on. Thank you everybody for listening at Brennan T Comedy on all social media, BrennanTComedy.com, and subscribe on Patreon and get your merch. We'll talk to y'all next week. Perfect. Thanks for having me. Thanks, that was dude. Really fun. That was awesome.